Hello, welcome back. Today I've invited Melissa Madera, who is the creator of the podcast, The Abortion Diary. She started it in 2013, and there's over 160 abortion stories on there, all of them unique and all of them wonderful. Melissa calls herself an abortion listener, and on this episode, she talks about her experience meeting strangers and listening and recording their abortion stories. For many people, talking to Melissa is the first and maybe the only time they'll ever share their abortion story. And she talks a lot about why, why people may feel inclined to share their story and, how, and what they do with their story. On this episode, we talk about how abortion stories connect people, how despite many people feeling very alone in this experience, we're all part of a community of millions of people who share this experience, and, and it really is connecting to hear someone share their abortion experience. The Abortion Diary is really a beautiful podcast because it's a space that exists solely for people who have abortions. It doesn't have any type of political agenda, and it's just a space for people to share their abortion experiences and all you know, the nuances around it. It's a platform that people can use to process their own abortion and share their story in the way that they want. Melissa talks about how abortions are just part of our life. They're personal experiences and not necessarily political experiences. And so we need to stop having this expectation on people who have abortions to use their story for some political agenda. What we do need to do is honor abortion stories and all their complexities and diversities, and we need to center these experiences, and we need to recognize that abortions are just one of many experiences that people have, reproductive or otherwise. And like any life experience, our thoughts and feelings about it are constantly shifting, and and they're going to change as we gain new life experiences and new perspectives. In this episode, Melissa also shares some wonderful tips on how to be better listeners, and she gives some really great advice that I think we can all learn from. Before we start, I want to remind you that Melissa is an individual with her own feelings and thoughts on abortion. Some things may resonate with you and some things may not, and that's totally okay. But I hope that you can listen with an open heart and continue this conversation in your own community. Hi, my name is Camilla, and this is Abortion with Love a podcast dedicated to reclaiming the ways that we talk about abortion. That is like the guiding principle, like what I do, work with love, and that is it. You know, like, not with anything else, not about anything else. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it's such an honor to be uh, to be able to interview the OG abortion podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you're, I, I'm very glad to be here. Um, no one has called me the OG <laughs> abortion podcaster, but I'll take it. You know what? Do what you want with it, but I threw it out there. Um, Can you give us an introduction about yourself to start? Sure. Um, So my name is Melissa Madera, and I am the founder and director in the everything, the Jane of all trades, um, at The Abortion Diary, um, which is a podcast of abortion stories. I'm also an abortion researcher. I work for a project called Project SANA. Uh, self-managed abortion needs assessment at the University of Texas. Um, so that's me. 
I don't know what else about myself. Um, <laughs> um, I'm currently in Florida, but I am actually from New York City. Um, I was born and raised there. Um, I'm first generation Dominican American. And I guess those are the important things that I would say about myself. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so you started the abortion diary in 2013, which is such a long time ago. Um, and it doesn't feel like they were as popular or as common as they are now. So what, what made you want to start a podcast? Um, give me one second. Cause I just realized that these earrings might be making a noise. <laughs> I'm taking them out for your recording. Amazing. <laughs> this is how you know who the real like audio nerds are. <laughs> Don't want it to be a problem later. Cause I know how that can be. Um, yeah, so I started the podcast in 2013. And it is kind of weird to think about that it's been eight years, it'll be eight years this summer. And I started it because I wanted to know more people who had abortions, actually, I mm -hmm. wanted to hear people's stories, I wanted to feel like part of a community, I felt very isolated, um, and alone about, you know, my abortion, yeah, and my experience. Um, and it's weird that I started a podcast exactly. Uh, I think that the reason why I, be I started as a podcast is because I wanted to hear people's voices. And I actually went looking for a podcast because I was very into podcasts at the time. And I listened to podcasts about all kinds of things. So I thought, oh, there must be a podcast about abortion stories. I mean, there's a podcast about everything that you can imagine under the sun. And I went online. I didn't find a podcast of abortion stories. I did find a few episodes, like anti-abortion podcast <laughs> episodes, and I was like, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course they have to have those. Uh, so I didn't find a podcast, and so I was like, I'll just start a podcast. Okay, first of all, I didn't know anything about podcasting. I didn't know how to record people. I didn't know like how it went even on iTunes, where you put it. I didn't know anything about podcasting or recording so I had to learn all those things from like zero and then of course I had to tell people about it so that they could share their stories with me and so once I started thinking about how am I going to do this I went to like the apple store so this is like mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm <gonna talk laughs> little stories about this I went to the apple store I asked the person I need uh, you know, a microphone. So I got this like USB microphone, plugged it into my computer, and started using GarageBand to learn how to record. I took a class. This is back in the day when you could easily just walk into like an Apple Store and they had all these random classes happening. Oh, and they I had never a, knew that that existed. Yeah, and they had this class how to start a podcast Amazing. <laughs> with GarageBand, okay? So I learned how to use GarageBand, the basics of, of using GarageBand <laughs> to podcast um, and just learning how to record people. And of course, as I said, the next step is like telling people that I have this podcast. Yeah. And so I just started telling people in my life randomly that I was starting this podcast. And the first group of people I really told, I was just like at this um, workshop, this midwifery skills workshop, because at the time I was a birth doula, I was a birth doula and an abortion doula at the time. So I went to this midwifery skills workshop, 
to learn more about like birth and things. So at this workshop, you know, like at every workshop, you have to go around and introduce yourself. So I introduced myself. There's like 11 people in the room, all women. Um, and I was like, I, you know, I introduced myself and I said, I'm also starting this podcast of abortion stories. First of all, I barely had a <laughs> website. It was not really a thing. And the website was like coming soon, you know. And so I didn't really have much to even show, you know, what this was going to be. But five people had offered to share their stories from that group. So more than half of us had had an abortion. And so that's how it kind of started. I started telling people about it. People started saying, oh, I had an abortion. I'll share it with you. And um, I think for me, the greatest gift of all of that and this and doing the podcast is so many people that I get to meet who've also had abortions. Yeah. Most people who have abortions don't get to know that many people and don't get to meet yeah. them and don't get to start having these conversations with, you know, strangers on the street because, you know, I just start talking about my work and like, no matter what, it's going to come up. Because once people start asking you about yourself, you know, you start telling them about your lives. For me, abortion is a huge yeah. part of my life. And the podcast is like something that I feel like is a part of me and is like something that I always talk about. So I always end up talking to a lot of people. And not everyone who has an abortion story and tells me that they had, had an abortion offers to share their story. But we get we do end up talking about it. Yeah. So that's sort of how it began. Cool. And since then, you've been traveling all over the world and have like hundreds, listen to hundreds of stories. Um, Are all your interviews in person? Yeah. So all of my interviews have been done in person. And I think that that has been a really important part of the puzzle. And I think it's really important part of the podcast itself and how much people get to open up and be comfortable of course, with the pandemic, that's not possible. And I've kind of been rethinking like how it can continue. Um, the podcast has been on a brief hiatus. It's not that brief. It's been like on a two year <laughs> hiatus because of like now I have a full time job yeah, that actually pays me money. <laughs> um, so I have priorities. So yeah. I have to I have to do that job <laughs> to pay my bills. Um, I love that job. And like, I love doing the research that I've been doing. And I get to listen to people's abortion stories through my work. Um, but that means that the abortion diary has taken a backseat yeah. because that does not pay me money. I actually put my money yeah. into doing it. Like, yeah. so I've had to kind of really step yeah. back. Um, but people still contact me to share their stories. And I'm like, oh, how am I going to do this? you know, now that we can't meet in person. And also I'm even once, you know, we get to travel, I'm not traveling as as much because I have like a full-time job. And so I can't do it the way that I used to do it. So the way I used to do it was really like I was on the road for like most of, most of the first five years of the podcast. I had like no real home base. I was just kind of like traveling around meeting people in the US, wow. like different places. Um, I also been to Canada. I've been I spent like a couple months in like four months in Europe recording stories. Um, wow. So I was just kind of like hopping around meeting lots of strangers because like everyone 
who I meet yeah. is a stranger to me. Um, that's like a very interesting part yeah. of the experience. It's so intimate um, as well, these yeah. conversations. So usually when I go up to someone's front door, I have never met them before. I've had <laughs> like a communication with them, usually maybe on like email, sometimes texting or like sometimes a phone call, but usually not even that. Um, and then, you know, they invite me into their home or their office, or sometimes we meet at like a park. I've recorded people like in their cars um, because we didn't have another place to record. So it's just anywhere and everywhere. Wow. And um, yeah, I just, I meet with them and we sit and they share their stories with me. And usually for most people, they've never shared this story with anyone else. Yeah, I'm the first person that they've ever really talked to about their abortion experience. Yeah. And even if they've shared bits and pieces, they haven't shared the full experience with most people that they know in their lives. Um, and sometimes they're never going to share their story with anybody else. Sometimes it's just like, I'm the only person that they'll ever tell the story. Yeah. To. So um, it's quite an intimate experience. And I get to, they also like, it's, it's really intimate because they're also inviting a stranger into their space yeah. and their lives, you know? And yeah. I think it does tell you something about like how much people need an outlet that they yeah. feel like just inviting a stranger that they've never met before into their homes. I mean, you can Google me and you know, like you'll know about me and you can read about me. So it's not like I'm just like a random person, but um, <laughs> they don't know me. Right. And sometimes, yeah. um, sometimes these folks are people who I also stay with because I'm traveling sort of like yeah, on no budget. Wow. So they're strangers who like also invite me to their home to sleep in their Oh houses. my goodness, that's next level. Um, and they share their story with me. Sometimes yeah. I'm staying with other like abortion people or friends of friends. Yeah. Um, but the bottom line is that they're all like strangers to me. Yeah. And we're strangers to each other until we, until they share their story with me. And sometimes I share my story with them and then we're not strangers anymore. Um, so that's sort of the, the, in, an interesting part of it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's really telling of how much people crave community. Um, and it's so beautiful that you can connect over this really integral, that you can connect with someone by sharing this really integral and significant part of your life history and just the knowledge of, of the fact that you share that with someone and the knowledge that you are a safe person that they can trust with their story is enough to break these social norms and, and welcome a stranger into your home and have these really intimate conversations. Yeah. I mean, that is the important part, right? Yeah. That they know that I'm there to listen and that I'm not going to be judgmental. Yeah. Um, I think the difference between telling a stranger with me or telling someone you know or love and like people who are in your life is that when you tell me you don't have to worry about me or my feelings at all yeah for a lot of people like one of the drawbacks of telling people that they know is that they have to worry about how those people are feeling instead of those people caring for you you're caring for them yeah and I think that can be like really difficult yeah. for people right really worrying about how people feel or what they're gonna say or um, you know, how the relationship all is their gonna feelings change. are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to worry that with that about me. <laughs> well, you know, with me, like, 
we're strangers. I have no judgments. I've also had an abortion. And I think that's like a really important aspect of this work. Like that a lot of people have never talked to another person who had an abortion. Yeah. Like they understand that I can relate to them, even though all of our experiences are really unique and different. Like we can relate to each other around this experience. And so that's, I think, also really an important part and why people open up a lot more Mm -hmm. when they share their stories with me. Besides the fact that I also tell them ahead of time that um, they can talk about anything. There's no censorship. So I think that's also a huge, um, something that's a relief to them, you know, that there's like nothing that they can't say. Yeah, that's definitely really important. Um, And that we need to work towards uh, letting people just share their story without any, any type of censorship. Um, I wanted to ask you about what the role that anonymity plays. Do you find that people worry about having their story be so public and accessible and, and maybe having their identities uh, found out or, or how do people feel about that? Yeah, um, that's an interest. That's interesting because everybody knows that this is going on a podcast on the Internet, right? So they yeah. and when they contact They're already me, signing up for it. They know that. Um mm. And I should also point out that I don't ever ask anyone to share their stories with me. People who share their stories with me on the podcast have reached out to me in some way, shape, or form. So I know, like, they know they're ready to talk about this. I know they're ready to talk about this. And they also know that this is going to go on the internet. So it's not a surprise. (laughs) Um, And they get to decide how anonymous they're going to be. For some people, they want to be completely anonymous. So on the website, on their story, it says anonymous. Um, We don't use pseudonyms, so it'll just be anonymous. Mm -hmm. Or people sometimes use their, just their initials. Sometimes people just use their first name. Um, At the beginning, I, you know, told people that they could also use their full name, but that changed because... And not because of anti-abortion people, actually, but because of a journalist who wanted to interview people who, (laughs) yeah, um, because, yeah, yeah. So I have a lot of feelings about journalists. This is the only bad experience I've ever had with a journalist. Usually they've all been like really kind and really helpful and um, they've wanted to be really respectful. But this person wanted to interview people who had shared their stories on the podcast. And I said, well, I will contact them and then I'll get back to you. And she was like, well, I've already gone online and Googled them because they had had their full names on there and contacted them via like, you know, whatever pathway she could find, like Facebook or anything, cold messaging people. And I was like, whoa, so I really need to think about this. And it felt very violating, you know? Yeah. I already have a lot of really feelings around like violation and like wastelessness around my own abortion experience. And then you're like creating this other experience that also felt similar. So I had to make a choice and I decided to pull down people's last names. And I felt kind of, I felt a little negatively about it because I am giving people the space to be as out or as anonymous as they want and for some people they really want to be out and they really want their full names to be out there but I have to just go back and say like actually 
that's not safe. So I only now, if people want to have some part of their last name, they can use their like initial, their last name initial, but not a full mm -hmm. la last name. But I do want people to be as out or as anonymous as they want. Um, yeah. It is the internet and anyone could find these yeah. stories. I do always tell people that actually someone has to be like looking specifically for this. Like people just don't stumble on an abortion podcast, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> They're not just like randomly seeing a <laughs> podcast about abortion stories, right? They have to actually actively be like searching for it. And the people who find the podcast and message me are people who are literally like, I Googled abortion stories or abortion podcasts. Um, so yeah. it's unlikely yeah. someone will stumble upon your story um, if you share it on the podcast, but they might. So that has to be something that's yeah. that you really think about and have to be yeah. like really secure in knowing that you're okay with that. And some people, you know, I'm friends on Facebook with a lot of the people who share the stories on the podcast. And sometimes I see that they have shared it on their Facebook page, um, which mm -hmm. sometimes is surprising to me. Some people who I didn't think were going to share it, share it. Um, some people who I did think were going to share it, share That's it. That's amazing. So, um, and they have like a different, you know, feelings about it. Like I want people to know, I want family to know, I want friends to know, I want to be out there. And like sharing yeah. a recording feels safe because you don't necessarily have to be in person with someone and have to like be in the be in the feelings yeah, in um so you're able to just like kind of put it out there and like people respond however they respond but also like you can just like unfriend people who are not friendly to you after that and you yeah. know you also know what people really truly feel about abortion from that yeah. as well and can make choices around who you want to be connected to um yeah. And, but also it can be a connecting experience because there's be people who are like, oh, I shared my podcast and, you know, my aunt reached out to me to say that she had abortion or my friends, you know. Yeah. So, like, it can, it can also be very connecting and that's really powerful and feels really, you know, great when you get to connect with others who you normally wouldn't if you hadn't shared this with them. So. Yeah, I never know what's going to happen. People have different processes around it as well. Yeah. And then some people want to continue to be connected after, you know, and some people are like, no, I am going to give this to you, this story, this experience. And then I don't want to be connected to it anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's their right. And like, it can, it's helpful to them. And that's what I'm there for, you know? Um, yeah. Because I think people also don't realize how much this kind of sharing of it, of this experience can be very therapeutic. So part of it is like some a therapy session with a person who's not a therapist because I'm not a therapist, but it can feel that way. Right. And so people can let the story out and they can share it and they can continue to process it or give it away and not go back to it again um it's up yeah. to them um so it depends on the person and I give them whatever they need so yeah yeah it's been really interesting to hear how different people 
you know, approach their, their story and, and what they want to do with it. Um, has there been anything that, that you didn't expect to come out of this process? This is, that's a very interesting question that people ask a lot because, <laughs> and I'm always like, there's not that much that I didn't expect because from my own experience, you know, I started this podcast from my own experience and yeah. the reason I started it was not only because I wanted to meet other people who had abortions and feel connected to a community of people. And now I'm connected to a community of hundreds of people that I've known you know, like I know there are millions of people out in the world, but I know some hundreds of them. Um, and that was the most important part for, for me at the beginning. But but the other important part was to give people the space for myself and other people the space to tell yeah. their story that is authentic and real to them and isn't yeah. based on what other people want to hear, which is what a lot of what is out there in the world and what was out there in the world yeah. when I started this podcast. So I knew a lot of things going in because I was already feeling them, you know, like that we're not able to really tell these stories in the ways that we want yeah. to, that, you know, we felt very stigmatized, not just by anti-choice, but by, you know, quote unquote, pro-choice people, um, because they mm -hmm. expect a certain kind of experience and we don't all have that. Um there's yeah. a lot of diversity in our experiences and a lot of nuance and a lot of complication and complexity. And we all mm -hmm. also don't feel the same way about our experience throughout our lifetime, right? And I think that is something that people need to really talk about more and realize more um, when they're talking about abortion, yeah. that it's very complicated and complex. And we are feeling yeah. lots of complication and complexity when we're in our own experience that lasts a lifetime. Like if the abortion doesn't end the moment that you leave the clinic or the moment that the abortion process is completed, whether you're at home or wherever you are, it continues because we continue yeah. to live our lives and we have various other experiences that complicate that experience. Um, so I think that's an important piece that I was already kind of went into this project, I guess I'll call it a project, mm -hmm. it's a project. Um, mm -hmm. I went in knowing that and I've, you know, continued doing it, being affirmed in that, you know, because every time I talk to someone about their abortion experience, you know, um, also that, you know, another really important thing that people should note is that most people aren't thinking about abortion until they need an abortion. So yeah. people aren't thinking about the politics of abortion. They're not knowing what is happening in their state or the country around abortion. They don't know what the law is or like how difficult it is or easy, you know, relatively easy in terms of barriers for some people um, over others like there those things mm -hmm. are not things people are thinking about before yeah they're thinking about them at the moment where they're like oh crap I need an abortion <laughs> like how am I gonna do this right so I think that's also something to be really aware of you know and I think especially in like um, movement spaces where people are like oh shouldn't people be like way more involved in like the political realm it's like no like this is not their life this is an experience 
this is not yeah this is something that is happening to them in this moment um that they need to do and then they also have a life that they go back to you know so yeah. this is a personal experience not a political journey so we need yeah. to really continue to push that and like really make people aware of that yeah. so i think that those are the things that i i think are the important things that have come out of talking to people so much yeah. um, about their abortion experiences for sure yeah i'm really glad that you brought that up because we really need to detach this idea that just because you had an abortion, it automatically makes you an activist, you know, or like how just because you had this experience and you had an abortion, now it's your turn or like now it's your responsibility to change the world and change policy. And I mean, people have this as an experience in their life, just like any other. And and that's it. And I really appreciate you, you know, saying that this is a personal experience and not, not necessarily a political one, though, of course, some might choose to embark on a political journey. Uh, sparked by their yeah. abortion and it is not on us to change the world or change policy no. or change yeah. you know um the law um this is just our this is our personal experience and we get to talk about it if we want to and we get to talk about it in the ways yeah. that we want to whenever we want to yeah exactly. and that's i think something that people need to like really um remember <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um did your own feelings and and thoughts around your own abortion change throughout throughout the process of making this podcast um that's a good question i think that starting a podcast has yes in some ways made me think about my abortion differently but also live it in a different way um mm -hmm. so i in order to do this work i have to be very public about my abortion experience <laughs> or else yeah I, people wouldn't know that i'm around and can share it with me right so like that was the first yeah. step that when I started this podcast, I had to be way more open about my abortion than I had been in the past. And it wasn't necessarily something that I was, something that I didn't want to do, but it was not something that I was doing <laughs> um, yeah. in many ways. And when I was public, it was like in a very less, not on the internet way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like if you Google me on the internet, this is all all this abortion things will come up um that definitely has shifted how i think and mm -hmm. feel about my abortion um and it has all been in a you know in a really good way um so before i started this podcast i started wearing this bag that says i had an abortion on it mm -hmm. and i have worn a version of that bag ever since i still wear it a different version because the first few have you know some holes and things in them <laughs> um and I, I you know i wear it everywhere and i have usually pretty positive experiences with people who ask me about it but sometimes there are some negative experiences and i'm not immune to feeling shame or stigma or feeling judged about mm -hmm. my abortion just because i'm super public about it mm -hmm. and like that i do feel like 
at the time it was the right thing to do, I still feel all kinds of ways about it, right? Yeah. And I think I I think it's important for people to know that like that I have the same feelings that they have at different times of their lives. Yeah. Just because I I have a podcast of abortion stories and I talk about abortion all the time, doesn't mean I have I don't have moments where I have yeah. negative feelings about it. Um, that are usually come from yeah. the outside world. <laughs> um, but being with people all the time who have had abortions has really softened that and made me realize and made me feel always that I'm connected to those people. And that I also, you know, I'm part of a larger community of people. And I think that is yeah. a, a huge, makes a huge difference, right? That, and I tell people all of the time, it's like, you may feel like one set of society doesn't accept something you've done, but you also have now become part of a different community of people that have the shared experience. And so, you know, to me, that's, that's a positive thing. Like now I have this community of people who have a shared experience. Yeah. And I didn't know that when I was 17, right? I didn't have that when I was 17. So I spent from being 17 to 30 before I started talking about my abortion. Um, So it was a really long time where I didn't think about it. I didn't feel about it. I just like put it to the back of my mind. And it wasn't until I was 30 and working in an organization where abortion was part of the conversation. And that was the first time I ever told someone outside of some family members that knew and were part of the experience um, about my Mm -hmm. abortion, right? And then it took like a couple of years for me to realize like that it was something that I needed to process and talk about and to, you know, be in community with. And I was doing other things. Like I was working, I was working at this, organization like I was an intern there and I was I also became an abortion doula at the time like you know around that time and I remember I was doing this like I won't get into it because it's sort of weird but I was doing like this self-help course and I had (laughs) mentioned to the person who was running it that I had had this like epiphany in the shower um (laughs) that um I felt like unloved by my father because of my abortion mm-hmm. like I and then I confronted him about it it did not go well it got into other things that made the conversation really hard mm-hmm. um but you know he also said that that was not true and I remember I mentioned this to this person and she was like you realize that you do all the work that you do like you're being a doula you know with people who are having abortions and you are doing all this, you know, other stuff with abortion because you were not supported during your own experience mm-hmm. and you wanted to support others. And I was like, wow, no, I actually hadn't thought about that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I realized that that is, you know, what I was doing, what I continue to do with this podcast. Right. Yeah. And so it, it definitely shifted how I feel about my abortion and how I work through it and how I process it. And every time I hear someone's story, it's a way of processing my own experience. So like listening to me is part of 
my process. For other people sharing their stories as part of their process, um, I don't necessarily share my story actually that often. I I see myself more as a listener than a sharer. Um, And so definitely it has shifted almost everything about my abortion experience. Also, like when I listen to people's stories, things about my experience that I hadn't thought about or or maybe forgotten or like, you know, have selective amnesia about um, have (laughs) resurfaced and it can be triggering, but it's not, I don't think that triggers are always bad. I mean, they allow us to sometimes process things that we have that we need to and that we have maybe forgotten about and um that happens a hell of a lot you know when I'm listening to people share their stories with me and I appreciate that you know um it also really reminds me all the time that this experience and the way that I feel and the way that they feel is going to shift for the rest of my life, you know? And I feel yeah. that all of the time and I accept that, um, you know, like yeah. I have a lot of feelings about my abortion that people sometimes don't want to hear. You know, I have a lot of mm-hmm. negative feelings about it and it's not necessarily about having the abortion as much as like the process, like what happened. And I think that we need to be open to listening to all kinds of things that people say about their abortion. And sometimes those feelings have to do with the abortion itself. And sometimes they have to do with all kinds of things that are happening around that experience because it's not isolated. Mm -hmm. It's not the only thing that's Mm -hmm. happening in someone's life at the time. And there's a whole lot of people even though, even when people don't tell other people, right, there's a lot of people involved in this story and this experience. Yeah. And we need to take that into account and how we feel about all of those people and how they interacted with us yeah. and how they were part of that experience or not part of that experience. And that comes up a lot too, you know? Yeah. Um, and once you start processing that and even sharing that with the people around you, you got to deal with their story because they have a story too. Yeah. Um, and how they feel about it. Because even recently, I, I didn't talk to my mother about my abortion for 13 years. And mm-hmm. um, we haven't talked a lot about it since, but we, it, sometimes it comes up. And it just came up the other day. And, uh, you know, my mom has her own feelings about it. And I don't want to take that away from her, like at all. Um, I have to process my own feelings about it and my feelings about other people (laughs) who are part of the process. Um, but also she needs to have her own feelings and process, you know, those feelings because it was also an event that happened in her life and she has her own take on it Yeah, and her, and her own, you know, and I'm going to use the word because it's what it is, her own trauma around it. Yeah, I have my own trauma around it. And so we all have to deal with them, you know, and we can either deal with them together or apart, but we're all dealing with them. And I think that that is an important thing to know. We never talk about the other people who are part of the, who are part of the experience. Um, And they're there and we have feelings about them and they have feelings about what happened. So yeah, Yeah, that's really important. To, to think about yeah 
Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because people, I feel like, often forget that abortions aren't an yeah. isolated experience. No, we're as much as we think we're alone in it, we actually are mm. not. <laughs> Both in like mm. having this community of other people, but the other people who are yeah. also part of that experience, right? Yeah. A tiny little break to tell you about a new podcast that I love, and I think you will too. It's called The Pod Broads. It's a new podcast that's dedicated to amplifying the voices of women who podcast. And it's produced by the queen of podcasting herself, Alexandra Cole. Here's a message from her. Are you obsessed with podcasts and also uplifting women's voices? Then join me, Alexandra Cole, each week on my new podcast, The Pod Broads, where I have unfiltered conversations with a woman in the podcasting industry, not just about her professional journey, but her personal one and how the two intersect. Find out more about The Pod on my website, podraland.com. That's P-O-D-D-R-A-L-A-N-D.com. It's time women in podcasting get the recognition they deserve on a major scale. And one way to do that is to start listening. So I wanted to go back to something you said earlier about calling yourself a story listener rather than a storyteller or story sharer. Yeah. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that and, and maybe give some advice on how to be better listeners? Yeah. So... Yes, I call myself a listener, a story listener, um, and I actually call this, you know, whole process more of a story sharing and story listening. I use storytelling mm -hmm. and story sharing sometimes interchangeably, but really I feel like it's a sharing of our experiences, mm -hmm. not a telling of it. But when we share, we also need listeners, right? So, and we don't, yeah. you know, people don't talk about listening as much as they do about talking like people see talking mm -hmm. as leadership as talking as being what's gonna change things but yeah. I actually think that listening is way more important and also we need listeners when we're sharing like we can't we need both <laughs> we need we each other into the void. yes so yeah. um for me it was quite easy easy to be a listener it's not easy for everyone and not everyone should be a listener of stories. And I firmly believe that um, because not everyone is very good at mm -hmm. listening. It's a practice. So you need to practice mm -hmm. um, to become good at it and then to be able to really listen to someone yeah. share their abortion story or anything else that people have to share. Right. Because so many yeah. times people in our life need to talk about something. You just need to have someone listen to them and they don't feel like they have anybody. Who will just listen yeah. and so to me good sharing good sharing and listening um revolves around the listener shutting up first of all that's like an important thing it mm. sounds kind of vulgar but <laughs> like the listener actually needs to not talk <laughs> and mm -hmm. to listen and then the other thing that i think is important there's a lot of things actually that that you listen for understanding so you listen to really understand where the person is coming from to really understand what the person needs yeah. um, to really get to the bottom of the story and the experience not for responding mm -hmm. and not for giving people advice because most time people oh boy. don't want yes. your advice <laughs> 
They just want you to listen to them. So that's very important. And I think most of the time what happens is that when people are listening, they are thinking about what they're going to say back, what they're going to, how they're going to respond. They're being in their own feelings about what the person is saying. And they're trying to think about how to fix something, right? And all of those are not the way to be listening to someone, right? And a lot of times we just have a whole bunch of voices in our heads while we're listening to people. And we have to learn how to, you know, put those voices aside. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to happen. And I, one of the things I learned, and this is actually something I learned through my yoga practice, is that sometimes we have voices that come while we're trying to do something else. And Mm -hmm. we have to tell the voices, oh, that's an interesting thought. I'll come back to you later, right? So you just put a (laughs) pin in it. And that's going to come up a lot when we're sitting there listening to someone. Um, And we just have to learn how to separate those voices from the voice of the person who's sharing with us, whatever they need to share with us. And sometimes it's a long time to be listening. So when I do the podcast, I tell people at the beginning, I'm just going to be listening. I'm not going to ask you questions or interrupt what you're saying until you tell me you're done sharing with me. Mm -hmm. And then I will ask you if it's okay to ask questions. And that's also an important thing to get people's consent. Is it okay that I ask you questions now? Yeah. about what you just told me yeah um and and responding with like you know I heard you say this like you told me this is what I heard can I ask you about that um yeah. also because people can say actually that's not what I said and that happens a lot yeah. right that's not actually what I said I said this Definitely. so we just need to be aware that sometimes we hear things people are not saying or we interpret things in a different way we need to be careful about that Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, we ask people what they really mean and we don't make meaning of what people say and the words that they use. And immediately, like, what I think about is, like, when people use words like, I feel sad, I feel regretful, I feel traumatized, you know, but also, like, I feel happy, I feel joyful. What are, mm-hmm. you know... Don't make meaning of what people are saying in the words that they use. Yeah. Instead, ask them what they're feeling sad about, what they're feeling happy about, what they're feeling regret about, what is traumatizing, what was traumatizing about, yeah. you know, whatever it is. It's not necessarily abortion because people are going to come to you to talk about all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. And just ask them, you know, what that means to them so you get a better idea instead of like, making meaning of it yeah Yeah. and when people share their experiences with me I also don't take notes I am literally only focused on them and what they're sharing with me yeah and then I go back to my brain (laughs) then I go back I have to go back to my brain and think okay these are all the things the person said what are some things I want to ask about and um that's part of the process And then people get to continue 
to talk about this experience and process because this is also you're letting them process by speaking to you by actually verbally telling this experience um you're letting them process so like you know allowing them to process some more by asking like really thoughtful questions about what they've just said to you yeah um instead of responding with how you're feeling or responding with advice, advice or responding with your immediate reaction to something yeah <laughs> that can be not so good yeah you know really be thoughtful about it so you know those are some quick tips and thoughts about listening <laughs> i yeah. mean and super important in yeah. all of our relationships and in all topics, not yeah. just abortion. But I guess all the one other thing I would say about that is very important about listening is to know what your values are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't examine them very much. We don't examine mm-hmm. what our values are and where they come from. And we really need to recognize that we don't share the same values. Even in, like, I always tell people in abortion world, we don't share the same values. Um, We just don't. But we don't interrogate that enough. And we don't talk about it enough Mm -hmm. to understand that, you know, our values are different. And when we listen to someone sharing their abortion experience or generally talking about abortion, we need to understand that they're coming from a place of their own values and that. There might not be our values um, and that we need to be aware of that. So when we have a thought about what someone is saying, (laughs) we recognize that this is not about that person. This is about our specific values and that we need to set those aside so that we can truly listen to the person and be empathetic to them and to offer them the ears that they need at this yeah. moment. So I, I think that's actually a very important part that I almost miss <laughs> talking about. Um, just knowing what your values are and yeah. that we don't share them. We don't share all the same values yeah. and that we need to listen knowing what those values are so that we can put them away. You know? Yeah. yeah. Ugh, such good advice. Thank you, Mel. Um, listening really is a skill and it takes practice. And like you said, it's, it's so valuable to have someone listen to you, to give you that space to process safely and to be seen without, you know, that all those like ego things coming in the way of, of the listener. Um, so thank you really for that reminder. Um, yeah, I love this podcast because it's a space that is completely dedicated to people who have abortions and a space for people to share their story. And it's not about the rest of the world. Um, Of course it can be a valuable resource for people who haven't had abortions. And I think that everyone can learn a lot from listening to abortion stories, but the podcast isn't for them. It's a space that really centers people's stories and, and, you know, doesn't use them for, for a political purpose or to push a political agenda. And I think that's, you know, really remarkable what you're doing because there are so little spaces that are dedicated to people who have abortions where they can just be free to to talk about their abortion however they want um, and without any, you know, agenda. So thank you. And I think it's really 
beautiful what you're doing. Ah, thank you. I mean, that's always at the forefront of my mind, like that. um, And I tell this to people all the time who want to, who believe that this should be used in a different way, right? Yeah. That I'm only here for the people who have abortion. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to change anybody's mind about abortion. I'm not here for the politics of it all. I'm here for people who have abortions and need a space that is um, non-judgmental, that is safe, um, that is filled with other people who have abortions so that they can share their experiences completely and in the way that they want to. So it's like, it's really important because we don't have a lot of spaces that center our experiences. Yeah. And um, it's really important, you know, for abortion spaces to censor the experiences of people who have abortions. I yeah. don't know how how um, people can't see that as yeah. much as I do. But um, this is why, like, this space is solely for that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's important for people to know that, right? And I think yeah. that's also why people will feel so open in sharing that they know that this is a space for them and nothing else. And that there's no, you know, unless they want to bring politics into it, (laughs) politics are not going to be brought into it, you know, and that doesn't happen that often. People don't necessarily do that. Again, because this is not a political experience. This is a personal experience. So people are just like talking about their personal lives. Like this is, this is what it's about. Um, And they can feel safe in that. And that's what it's for. And that's what it's always going to continue to be for. Um, and for people to really process, you know, what has gone on in their lives and continue yeah. to do so. Because as I said, this is not an experience that is stagnant. It doesn't stay the same. Yeah. It changes over time. And I can, like, share that from my own experience, you know, as I talked about before. Like, it changes with, like, the more of the people I talk to the more other reproductive experiences I've had, like this is not the only reproductive experience we have. And yeah. when we have more, it shapes the way we feel about other yeah. ones, you know, yeah. like I have, I'm also someone who like donated my eggs, you know, when I was like 10 years ago, like when I was well, a little over 10 years ago. And I have feelings about that, that are then tied also to my abortion experience. Yeah. I'm someone who like recently went through you know, fertility treatments because I wanted to have a child and was basically told, like, I'm basically, like, not going to be able to do that. And so, like, you know, that shifts the way I feel dramatically about the the reproductive experiences I've had in the past. Um, As someone who, like, yeah, I had an abortion when I was a teenager, but I also wanted to have kids later in my life. Yeah, And knowing that I you know, there's a very slim chance that I will ever become a mother. It's really hard. And that absolutely shapes the way I feel about my abortion experience. Not to say that I would have changed that because as a 17 year old, that's not when I wanted to become a parent. Mm -hmm. But it changes the way I feel about now knowing that I may never become a parent, right? So like, we, like, we have all kinds of experience. I want, I I think that one of the things that I think is really important for people to recognize is that having an abortion is part of my identity, but it's not the only 
part of my identity. It's not my only identity, right? It's a big part of my identity, especially because of the work that I do. But it's not the only part of my identity. And it's not the only reproductive experiences I will ever have, yeah. um, even going forward, right? And um, we have all kinds of other experiences, you know, and like people talk about them also on the podcast, because like, of course, when you talk about your abortion, if other things, other reproductive experiences have come into your life, if you've had them, that becomes part of the story, right? So people have talked about like, birthing children, also being infertile, adoption, they've both like adopting children and mm -hmm. um, being able having to like, I don't know what the terminology is now, but like, then having to have your own children adopted out, you know, so like, there's all kinds of experience people talk about, yeah. you know, when talking about their abortion as well. Um, having like miscarriages, you know, so we are people who are like dynamic and have like various experiences in our life. And we should be able to talk about those as well in different ways. And to recognize that all of those experiences shape us yeah. and shape yeah. how we feel about our abortion experiences of the yeah. past. It can be 20 years ago. My experience was more than 20 years ago. And I still am processing it. Um, I've talked to people who've had abortions, whew, man, 50 years mm. in the past. And they're still, they still remember it, you know, they still remember that experience and they still have all kinds of, kinds of different emotions that come up yeah. for them and they, it's changed over time. So we, we're just like, if anything, I just want people to realize like we're just regular people <laughs> we're dynamic we have different experiences um this is not the only one and this is not the only and the moment that we have it is not the only way we're gonna feel yeah. about it um Definitely. so yeah i don't know how i got onto that <laughs> well i anyways really <laughs> yeah. appreciate that that you got to that point because it's a good reminder that you know, not only are our reproductive experiences interconnected and, you know, affecting and influencing each other, yeah. but all our life experiences and relationships are going to be affecting other aspects of our life. Um, you know, the one time you share your story isn't going to be the one and only version of that story. Absolutely. You're going to have multiple versions of the, of those stories in your life. And each time you tell it or each time you process it, it's going to, it's going to change and shift. And the way you feel about it is going to shift and, and it's important that we honor honor all of all of those versions. That is so true. Like if the way that I share my story has changed, right? Yeah. Um, also because there's now other aspects to that experience since it has never ended. It's never, yeah. you know, because I feel like people think like there's a beginning and an end to the story. <laughs> and I'm like, when I when I ask people, you know, when I when I start the recording process and I'm like, okay, you can begin your story wherever you want. Cause that story also begins yeah, in all sorts of places. Yeah. It's not just the day before the day you found out you were pregnant or the day yeah. before your abortion. It can have, you know, that story can start way before that. Yeah. And then, you know, I say, you know, you can end wherever you want, you know, because, and I knowing that, knowing that there is no end, knowing that in my mind that there is no end to this experience, right. That if I asked you two years from now, 10 years from now, to share this story again, it would be very different. 
absolutely like the way that we share this experience like what is important to us in the moment is not important to us 10 years from from that moment 20 years from that moment other things are important and even um i think about this a lot because now i do like abortion research and i didn't i didn't intend to end up here i was just ended up here right (laughs) that um people constantly even before i was doing like research people constantly ask me like well did people talk about xyz thing because those are the things that they think are important to people's abortion experience right so and i'm like not necessarily because for that person that wasn't important it wasn't even a thought um there were there are other things that are are the top of their mind you know, yeah. and especially like people were constantly asking like, oh, so um, did t- people talk about money, <laughs> you know, because they think that finances are like the most and biggest part of people's abortion experience or like did people um, talk about like barriers? And I'm like, first of all, barriers are relative. Not everybody experiences barriers in the same way or think yeah. that the same thing are barriers so like what people say is going to be different to you yeah exactly so like this happens a lot i think in research world where they're expecting certain people to talk about certain things yeah oh and and if they're not part of that story then like something is wrong and i have never felt that way and i will never feel that way because what is important to that person about their abortion is special and unique to them yeah and it may be something that other people talk about too, but it may not. Um, yeah. And it may be something that you expected, but it also is usually something that you did not expect. Yeah. You know, and that's why I also give people free reign. Like I tell them to just start, you know, share, you know, st- sometimes people are nervous about it. And I'm just like, oh, you know, start wherever you want to and then wherever you want to. Um, but I give them that freedom because I know that they're going to share with me things that I wouldn't have known to ask about yeah. at all because this is their experience and I wasn't there, you know, so they only know what's important to them and, yeah. and the things that happen to them. Sometimes things are really surprising that happened yeah. to them that I wouldn't have like thought would have happened to them because all of our stories are special in their own way, but we wouldn't, you know, people wouldn't know that if they didn't just listen and ask yeah. us a bunch of questions. Um, it also throws people off, right? Because <laughs> when you start asking questions, <laughs> they start answering them and they forget what they were going to tell you before. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's really important to just let people talk and talk and talk. And it could be an hour. It could be an hour and a half. It could be 20 minutes. I don't know how long it's going to be, but um, it's important to just listen to what yeah. they have to say, you know? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I um, want to wrap up our call with my last question which yeah. I asked all my guests, which is what does love have to do with abortion, according to you? Ah, that's an interesting question. Um, for me, like love has everything to do with abortion and why I do the work that I do around abortion, right? Um love for the people who like are out there who are having abortions and who have had abortions and either do have support or don't have support right just um that love that i have for them and for wanting them to have a safe space 
to share their experiences. That is like the guiding principle of what I do, doing this work with love. And that is it, you know, like Mm -hmm. not with anything else, not about anything else. There's no money involved. (laughs) Um, There's nothing else involved in it except for like doing this for the love of it, right? And sometimes it's really, really hard because we live in a world where there's a lot of people out there that are judging us, that are, there's a lot of stigmatizing language. There's a lot of um, shaming that's happening in our world and not just about abortion, about all kinds of experiences we have in the world, you know? Um, So like, you know, as I was saying, like I have all these other reproductive experiences, there's all kinds of judgments people have about those mm-hmm. as well. There's We can't get away from the feelings that other people have about yeah. our experiences, except to say, like, I don't care what people, yeah. what other people have to say. But sometimes it's really hard because their voices are so loud. Yeah. We can't escape them. Yeah. Um, so we have to counteract that with the love that we have for each other yeah. and doing, continuing to do the work for it, the love of it and to forget not well we can't forget but to ignore um <laughs> all of those other voices and I always yeah. tell people that I do this work for the love of it I do this work um for people who have had, had abortions I don't do this work for anyone else that means that I can give way more of my love and energy to it and I think that's where things fall apart where when you're spending so much time on the negative space like Mm -hmm. those people out there who are not on our side right and I have nothing I I, you know I I hate to say this in front of this a live studio audience no I'm just kidding in front of an (laughs) audience of people because I don't think people like agree with me yeah but I don't want to change those people's minds. And I respect that they feel however they want to feel. Yeah. I just want them to respect and understand my experiences, yeah. my decisions, and um, the work that I do. I don't, I don't want to change them. And I respect that they have their own beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually frees me up to do this work and continue to love it and to love the people who I do it for. Right. So you have to really pick your battles. And that seems like a thing that people just say all the time. You have to pick your battles, but really Mm -hmm. you do in order to do this work in a sustainable way. Yeah, Right. So if we're going to continue to offer people the love that they need and the love and support that we need to just forget about all of the other noise that's out there right and I remember um I was at this like it wasn't like a conference but it was like a workshoppy thing and there were a lot of people there who did um work on abortion and um I remember telling someone next to me like yeah I do this work just from a space of love and that's it And she was like, how can you do that when there's so much out there, so much negative out there? There's all these anti-choice people and there's all these people who are um, 
who are, you know, working against us all the time. Mm -hmm. And I said the same thing I just told you. It's like, in order for me to continue to do this work, I can only do it from a space of love. You cannot Mm -hmm. do this from any other space because you will not be able to continue to do it. It's impossible, actually. Um, So I guess that's the long-winded answer (laughs) to your question. Wonderful answer. Um, And that wraps up our call. I really want to thank you um, for your very raw and and thoughtful answers um, for sharing your own experience and and the work that you're doing and everything. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So that was Melissa Madera, uh, the incredible creator of The Abortion Diary. I really love that conversation. I feel like it was a great reminder to me um, to be a, to be a better listener and to keep practicing and to um, put my own ideas and thoughts and and ego aside when I'm listening to to people. And and yeah, I think we we all can learn a lot from her. And yeah, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to listen to the abortion diary, you can find links in the show notes. And if you want to support this podcast, here's a couple ways that you can do that. You could follow me on social media. You can find links in the show notes, but my Instagram is at abortion with love and my Twitter is also at abortion with love, but with the love spelt L-U-V. Um, you could share this episode or any episode that you enjoyed with a loved one who you think might appreciate it too. Uh, you could donate. That's extremely appreciated. It helps me with the costs of running this podcast, but it also helps me fulfill, you know, these big dreams I have for this, uh, for this podcast. So, um, that's always something you can do. Uh, you could also always just keep listening. I appreciate that too. You could subscribe, um, and leave reviews. I love your reviews. I read them when I'm, you know, feeling a little bit down and lying in bed at two in the morning and need some validation. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I appreciate all of you really much. Um, I'll see you in two weeks. We have the last episode coming for this season before I go on my break. So until then, have a great day. Lots of love. Goodbye. Yeah, I just like the guy the